This episode contains adult language and topics that may be disturbing for some listeners. Such topics include suicide, drug use, physical or sexual abuse of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Crime. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Uh, We're doing pretty good, and I'm real excited to jump into this episode. Yeah, because today we're going to talk about a murder that happened in the 90s in Michigan as a pretty direct result of being on the Jenny Jones show, which is- (laughs) Trashy TV at its finest. Yeah, it is. Did you watch this kind of shit when you were a kid? Oh, man. I was big on a few of them, for sure. I was definitely into Montel, because Montel, Montel had a little bit of everything. <laughs> uh, he'd have Jack Hanna. Sylvia Brown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'd have Jack <laughs> Hanna bring on the animals, and then <laughs> Sylvia Brown would like tell some pretty obvious stuff to the crowd that was not that exciting. But you were like, dude, Sylvia Brown might be legit. Yeah. Or she would just lie to families of murder victims and stuff and tell them that their relatives were dead when they weren't. Yeah, that was her thing too, for sure. But no, when she, but yeah, but but being like however old I was during that time, that's what I was into for sure. I liked Maury more. I liked Maury too, but because Maury did a little bit of everything, including Jack Hanna. I'm a big animal guy, but then he went yeah. to just trash. Oh, that's what I love about him. I love. Finding out who's the father, who's not the father. It's my favorite. Oh, man. Maury went to straight trash, which I think is the funniest because he's married to, like, Connie Chung, who's, like, a well-renowned, like, news reporter, and then there's Maury. So it's just the the two of them together is just a great time. Best of both worlds. (laughs) No, I loved all that stuff. I loved Sally, Ricky. Even Queen Latifah had one for a hot second. Do you remember that? I I do barely remember that one, but let's let's, uh, come back on that and do talk about Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about her her and her red glasses. Yeah, sexy. The 90s were wild. Some of the headlines for those shows were, like, outrageous. I was looking them up for this case, and you can't even say some of them on TV anymore. Like, I was watching an episode that said, my daughter looks like a hooker. I'm like, you can't say that. No, you certainly can't say that. Whatever happened to Sally? For so many reasons. Whatever happened to Sally Jesse Raphael? She's still still somewhere on TV? Yeah. She's like 87. I don't think she's on TV anymore. I'm pretty sure she's retired, but she's like 87. She's still alive, though. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't heard from her in 30 years. Maybe not quite that long, but still, that's a long time. Wow. Yeah. Kids nowadays have no idea. They have like all these like lighthearted, feel good talk shows with people that are so like lovable and sweet, like Kelly Clarkson and Drew Barrymore. I'm like, no, we had these crazy talk shows where they were like, your sister's cheating on your mom with your brother and your cousin <laughs> yeah. filmed it, you know? Yep. There is a lot it's of like that They going. got no idea. Your your favorite one now, though, is probably Steve Wilkos, isn't it? Oh, dude. Nobody beats Steve Wilkos. Oh, my God. That's another just trashy show. He's the best, though, because he's super funny, and he doesn't mean to be funny. I don't know. I love it. I've I've never seen Steve Wilkos, the show, but we did see him at CrimeCon, and I think if you had been into Steve Wilkos like you are now, you would have made me wait in that two-hour line to see him. Well, that's because I didn't even know Steve Wilkos had a trashy talk show. Like, apparently, he got his, like, after I was, like, at the age where I was staying home from school sick to watch Montel, and- I just didn't, 
I missed it, I guess. And so when I was doing research for this episode for the last couple months, I came across it and I was like, oh, now I'm hooked. That's all I watch on YouTube. Oh, my gosh. I know. So anyway, it's not really clear how people end up being talk show hosts. Like, I don't know what the requirements are for it. Like, there's no, like, bachelors in trashy daytime TV hosting. (laughs) No, I think it just kind of depends on how you are on TV. Well, there's a lot of comedians yeah. that do it. You know, Oprah was a weather girl before she'd had her show. So yeah. you get, get on TV and I think you kind of evolve there. Jenny Jones was a musician who played in a band and then she sang backup for Wayne Newton. Oh, great. Yeah. And then apparently she was a pretty successful comedian, but I don't remember her being funny at all. I don't remember that either. Yeah. I mean, she's no Steve Wilkos. That's for sure. <laughs> Is he a comedian? I mean, he's funny. I don't know if he means to be, but he's hilarious most of the time. <laughs> so anyway, she landed this hosting gig anyway. So in this episode that we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about the murder of Scott Amador and how being on the Jenny Jones show got him murdered. Well, let's get into this then, because this one, is, it's got a lot of twists and turns, I think. I mean, and I think there's a lot of differing opinions on this. And I think you and I are probably going to have differing opinions. Yeah, I, I feel like we are, too, after... Our small conversation earlier. Yeah, exactly. So Scott was a 32-year-old gay man living in Lake Orion, Michigan. And normally we wouldn't lead a description of someone with their sexual preferences, but in this case it becomes pretty relevant. Scott had served a couple of years in the Army after he had dropped out of high school. And in the Army he got his GED because he had dropped out of high school, obviously. And he specialized in telecommunications. So when he got out of the army, he worked in telecommunications for years. But sometime in the early 90s, he switched careers to be a bartender because he liked the social aspect of bartending more than his regular job. I can kind of see that. You know, I mean, regular job, like some people just aren't fit for the regular nine to five kind of thing. And bartenders make some pretty good money. So I can see how that like nightlife and the more money and stuff probably was a big grab for him for sure. Yeah, and people described him as, like, fun and caring and loving and generous, so sounds like he would have been a good bartender, like he was social. Yeah. His friends describe him as one of those people that, like, would just do anything for a friend and, you know, was very caring. And one of those friends that would have described him that way was a lady named Donna. This is going on, like, during the AIDS epidemic, especially through the gay community, and Scott would bring people into his home and care for them if they had no other family. This was the 90s. Like, you know, this was a very polarizing topic, being gay and, you know, is HIV and AIDS, the gay disease and stuff like that. So this was a big deal. And he brought in, I think he, I think I read he brought in eight different guys to kind of help take care of through this. So he really was like a very loving, giving person, like so much so to give up that part of his life like that. Yeah. So one of these friends that would have described him this way was a lady named Donna. And one day in 1996, Donna was having trouble with her brakes on her car. So she asked her neighbor, Jonathan Schmitz, to take a look at them. Now, John Schmitz was a 25-year-old guy. He was kind of good looking and obviously handy if he's doing the brakes on Donna's car. And about the time that he was under the car doing her brakes, Scott comes by to say hi to his friend Donna. And he sees John all greased up under the car and was like, excuse me, Donna, who is your friend? (laughs) So he was smitten with John right off the bat. He was like, oh, he's cute. And he asked Donna later if John was gay. And she said she didn't think so because he'd been engaged to a woman for like three or four years. But they had recently broken up and... 
John had told her that his family had questioned his sexuality. Oh, wow. See, I didn't know that part. I knew kind of all that other part, but that his family had questioned his sexuality. I didn't know that. That probably will play a big part into this. Yeah. And when we say questioned, we don't mean like, hey, do you like boys? And if you do, that's totally fine. Line of questioning. It was more like, you better not like boys. Line of questioning. Do you like boys? Because no, you don't kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. They they weren't super awesome about it. Right. But we'll get into more of that later. Donna didn't know that at this point. She just knew that he said that they had questioned him. So long story short, probably not gay, but you never know. Sure. So Donna tells Scott shoot your shot man like what do you gotta lose (laughs) well she's like what do you have to lose what's the worst he could say no yeah well that's what rational people would think but they're on our podcast so i guess that's not the worst but yeah it's probably not what what his answer was so scott's watching the jenny jones show one day as we all did and at the end of the show there was a little call to action and it said, do you and someone you know have a same-sex crush you want to reveal on national TV for the whole world to see? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it had like a phone number. So Scott was like, bingo, this is my shot. And he loved Jenny Jones, too. So like, yeah, th- this was like the extra cherry on top, you know, like it wasn't just his his time on TV. It was on Jenny Jones. That was his girl. Yep. So Scott and Donna contact the show and tell them his little predicament and they choose him to be on an episode. The producers are like, yeah, this sounds great. So the show contacts John and they're like, hey, we're doing a show about secret admirers and someone contacted us about you. So if you're interested, we'll fly you out to Chicago. We'll put you up in a nice hotel, give you a little spending money. All if you just Come on the show and find out who your crush is. And John obviously says no at first because this is either a prank or a bad idea. Like, yeah. This is not. He's like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. Yeah, but, I think uh, no is the right answer, honestly. Like, Jenny Jones' show come, calls knocking you. Hey, we have this segment. Like, I'm not thinking that's where I want to spend my time. Yeah, of course not. So, but eventually, after thinking about it for a while, curiosity was, like, eating at him. And he thought maybe this crush was a girl from his work that he had kind of had, like, sparks with. Or maybe his ex-fiance. And if it was his ex-fiance, he wanted to get back with her. So he decided to go on the show. He's like, I'm going to go on the show. I'm going to get her back, and we're going to get married, and that's going to be the end of it. Did you get any confirmation that he was going to propose to her on the show? Because I had heard that. But I didn't know for sure if that was legit or not. I don't know if he was planning on proposing to her on the show, but from what I've heard, it was that if it was her, he was open to that. Like, he wanted to get back together with her and actually marry her. Yeah. But it's like, John, that's obviously not why they're calling. Like, it's Jenny Jones. You think if it was like your normal relationship with your ex-fiance and she just wanted to get back together, like, that doesn't make good TV, John. It's not your (laughs) ex-girlfriend. It doesn't make good TV, but... Also, I could totally understand why he would want it to be her and think that it would be and revisit this. I mean, the only thing is you'd think if it was her and he said no, she might come around later on and be like, hey, that was me. Wanted to make it kind of cute and you ruined it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. But the producers of the Jenny Jones show say that they informed John that it could be a man or a woman with the crush. And the producers say that he was not real receptive of it being a man, but like in a normal way, like 
no, I don't want to go on here. If it's a guy, that's stupid. Like, I don't want right. to do that, you know? So they kind of like implied like, hey, we just kind of have to say that. So they say they told him it could be a man or a woman. And he says that they pretty much implied that it was a woman, which I'm certain they did because that makes the show that much more shocking. Absolutely. Like, I'm and- sure that they did. I'm sure they absolutely lied to him, said whatever they had to say to get this kind of show going. Yeah, I don't e- That's not even lying, though. They told him it could be a man or a woman well, just because they implied it was a woman that's not lying that's good tv that's why talk shows were so great that's why they're terrible now because we have rules and ethics but he told him like hey if this is a dude like i don't want to do it i and i get it it is great tv it it is but like they should have gone with like if he's straight up like if he's like okay cool could be a guy or girl whatever like i'm down for this but he stole told them i don't want to do this if it's a guy you know and so yeah of course but i'm sure everybody says that so like yeah then they would never have a show Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But what no one knew and there was really no way of knowing was that John had some serious mental health issues. He was manic depressive and he had a history of suicide attempts. And he also had Graves disease, which is like an autoimmune disorder that affects your thyroid but can have neurological effects. Which there was literally no way for anybody to know that. The show doesn't know him. Of course. You know, fucking Scott doesn't even know him. So John's not in the most stable place mentally, but he goes on the show anyways. He buys a $300 outfit. He gets his hair cut. He's like super excited about it being his ex-fiance. The filming starts with Scott and Donna on stage talking about how they met, how Scott met John and how he thinks he's cute and all this stuff. And Jenny asks the juicy questions like, what are your fantasies about John and blah, blah, blah. And Scott's all embarrassed, but he gives her a few like exaggerated scenarios of what he would like to do to John. They're pretty steamy, I must say. Those are pretty like... He says he wants to like tie him up to a hammock that he has in his backyard and stuff. Like it was, yeah. Like it's what daytime was it? TV. Like drink champagne and like eat. Sh- yeah, like, whipped cream. Or, whipped cream. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're weird. <laughs> yeah. So well, they're not that weird. It's just most people don't talk about that shit on TV. Yeah. It does seem it does seem fo- kind of forced too. Yeah, it does. It seems like he's uncomfortable talking about it. But obviously, he told them about it in the pre-production interviews because they knew about yeah, it. So absolutely. It's like, you know, he was just nervous to say it on TV. Yeah, he's playing it up. Yeah. So meanwhile, John's backstage with the classic headphones on, so he doesn't know anything. <laughs> you know, he's just day to day. And then Jenny's like, "Okay, let's bring out John," and the crowd goes crazy, and he sees them when he walks out and he gives Donna a hug and a kiss on the cheek and then he he shakes Scott's hand and he gives him like an awkward like half hug like Scott goes in for a hug and it seems like John was like oh I thought we were just shaking hands you know yeah yeah and Scott it kind seems of like, like they pulled don't... his hand in to give him a hug like it was very herky-jerky and a little and pretty awkward yeah and it seems like they don't really know each other you know <laughs> right. which they probably don't so anyways Jenny says do you think it's Donna that has the crush on you and he's like nah we're pretty good friends and then jenny just like cuts him off and she's like you're right it's scott and then like the camera pans to scott and he's like and john seems surprised like genuinely surprised but he laughs and he claps his hands and he turns to them and he's like you lied to me and a lot of people think that he's saying like you lied to me like he's angry but it was more i took it more like oh you guys lied to me like maybe he saw them leaving to go out of town and was like where are you going and they said oh we're going to detroit for the weekend or something you know what i mean yeah it was definitely more of a playful you lied to me rather than like an accusatory you lied to me 
Yeah, totally. He's laughing and smiling and clapping. And yeah, he looks a little embarrassed and of course. red cheeks and blushing, but he's smiling and clapping and he takes it pretty well. Like even Jenny's like, so what's your relationship status? Like, are you single? What's the deal? He's like... <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm very much single, but I'm very much heterosexual, too. Yeah. So. And what was weird was the entire crowd started cheering. I don't know if you noticed that. I know. But he's like, I'm heter- heterosexual. And the freaking crowd goes nuts. And I know. Like, I'm like, guys. Why is that something to cheer about? Yeah. I was like, I, Scott wanted him. Like, yeah. kind of a bum. It was really bizarre. So, anyway. They don't, they don't love love. No. No, they love drama, which is fun. So anyway, he's straight. Is pretty much what he says on the TV show. He's like, oh, thank you. I'm flattered, but I'm straight. But he doesn't seem angry or anything. Like, his reaction is totally normal. 100%. I thought it seemed totally respectful. That's how you would react if somebody you weren't attracted to had a crush on you. Just, oh, thank you, but no thanks. You know? Totally agree. He seemed very flattered. He said it was a compliment. But, you know, again, he said, I'm heterosexual. So, not Really looking for that. Now, this is where things get a little murky because there are rumors from some of the people who know some of the people involved in this story that say that after the taping, while they were still in Chicago even, they went out for drinks and danced all night and they may have even kissed or hooked up. But that's never been confirmed. Uh, Yeah, I've never heard that in any of the research I looked at. And I knew this case beforehand. I've never, I heard that they did go out. They did go have fun. All three of them did. The two boys and Donna went out and had a good time. But he took them to the airport the next morning too. Like I never heard that they got hot and heavy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a rumor and there's no way to prove it now because half of this equation is no longer with us, not alive. And the other half would never admit it. So that whether that happened or not really doesn't change the rest of the story. I mean, it could, but not really. <laughs> I was just I mean, thinking it totally like it does, totally could but... change the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So like we said, surprise, not angry. Obviously, they hung out either way, whether they just hung out and drank and had a good time or if they hung out and hooked up like he was not angry when they left the show. So the next day or two, whatever, they fly home to Michigan and presumably go about their normal lives, except that John is struggling super hard with this whole thing about to be on national TV. Yep. He thinks people are going to think he's gay. He was like super upset about the whole thing, super embarrassed, humiliated. And his family doesn't seem from later things that happen in the trial and court transcripts and stuff that they would be what you would call supportive no they were bigots but i mean that's what they were they yeah were, they were they were homophobic bigots yeah they were concerned that he was going to be suicidal again though because obviously this was affecting him pretty hard but i don't think they were doing anything to like help him not affect him not be like hey it's okay just because somebody has a crush on you doesn't mean you're gay right and even if you are gay it's fine but they would never say that exactly <laughs> so yeah exactly and it, yeah so A few days later, John gets home to his apartment and there was a note and a gift, like some little construction light that was apparently some kind of inside joke from the night they all went out drinking together. (laughs) And it said something about, if you want to get off, I have the right tool. Something to that effect. That's not an exact quote, but it's- Was it it supposed to be like that kind of sexually or was it more like, if you want to get this off, I have the right tool. You have to call me kind of a thing. I I don't know, because it's never really clear what the thing was or what the note is. I don't really know. I'm not 100% sure. The wording can change things. I mean, one is sexually suggestive. The other one is, hey, I did this. Like, 
give me a call if you want it off. Right. Well, either way, John didn't take this as like a flattering gift or like a way that Scott was trying to be like, hey, if they just say they hooked up that night, maybe he was like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't have taken that guy on national TV if he didn't want to be outed. Like, maybe if I would have asked him in private, we might be hooking up right now, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. But instead, I went all extra about it and went on the Jenny Jones show. So he had to say no. Otherwise, his family would probably kill him. So I don't know. Anyway, so John didn't take this as like, uh, hey, sorry about that whole TV thing, but if you want, we could still, you know, he was like pissed and he snapped. He made a decision right then and there that he was going to kill Scott. And he got in his car. He drove to the bank. He withdrew money. He drove to the store. He purchased a shotgun and then he drove to Scott's house. He even says that he sat out in front of Scott's house for a little while and like thought about it. He walked up to the door and when Scott answered, it's not really clear what the exchange was because we only have John's side of it. But something to the effect of like, did you write this note? And he's like, yeah, and kind of like smiled and was like, of course, it's me, you know. And so John went back to his car, grabbed the shotgun and walked up to the door, and when Scott saw the gun, he threw a chair at John, like, hey, what the hell are you doing with the gun? Get away from me. Yep. And John shot him twice in the chest with a shotgun at close range. Oh, man, that's tough. You know, like, this is why, like, it's a good idea to have those cooling off periods when you buy a gun. Yeah, but there wasn't. So John gets back in his car, and he drives to a nearby gas station where he calls 911, and he confesses to killing Scott on the phone with the 911 operator. And she's like, why would you shoot him? And he's like, well, because he's gay. And he <laughs> took me on national TV and told everybody. And it's like, well, why does him telling everybody he's gay matter to you at all? But I think in the 90s, I think it does matter. I think... I think in the 90s, it's almost a justification. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll get into that at the trial, which is <laughs> bullshit. But Okay. Yeah, it's bullshit. That's literally his, okay, that's literally his defense, though, which is terrible. It is a terrible defense, but that was the 90s, and this is how they felt about it. But you are absolutely right. It was a terrible defense. Yeah, stupid. So John's arrested, obviously, right away and charged, but it took a bit to go to trial because his mental health was in big time question because he was unstable. His lawyers argued that he was mentally unstable because of his manic depression, the neurological side effects from the Graves disease, but also that he had been up drinking and smoking pot for a day or two before this happened. But that's not really a defense because being drunk or high is not a a legal defense because you chose to get drunk or high. It's not something that that happened to you that you couldn't control. You did that. So whatever you do while you're on that is you're responsible for it. Do you ever pick up a joint and think, I'm going to make some bad decisions now? No. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like what? Yes. But not murdering people or being vi- like like eating a whole bag of Cheetos and watching <laughs> Lifetime for a whole day. Like, not murdering anybody, no. Oh, that's good. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's a yeah. good one. <laughs> yeah, like But that but the drinking and the and the drugs is not a valid argument. But his never. mental health is. Definitely. So they go back and forth and roundabout about all of his you know, how his brain is functioning or non functioning. For a while. What they ended up landing on, which is apparently a legal defense, unlike being drunk or high, is the gay panic defense. <laughs> okay. Let's hear this. I <laughs> <That's>... it's 
Like song. you said, it's a great name. The fucking '90s were wild, man. Yeah, they were lawless land for most of it. Anyway, yeah, it's a legal defense that a person can use to say that they went temporarily insane and assaulted or murdered somebody because they felt frightened by their sexual or romantic advancements <laughs> towards them. So, like, if somebody gay hits on you, you can kill them. That doesn't make any sense. That is absurd but think this is 96 right 95 95 yeah. okay so, oh speaking of that the number one song was old enough to know better by wade hayes by the way 95 reminded me to tell you no idea who that was but <clears throat> yeah I, you do old enough to know better but i'm still too young to oh, care yeah i do know who he is yeah not 96 oh. so in 1993 don't ask don't tell was signed into law by clinton so like this is only a two-year gap Maybe only a year and a half, depending on when each happened. This is kind of how the 90s was. Like, the 90s was warming up to the idea of being gay and it being more accepting and stuff. But what definitely wasn't there yet. So it was still a very hot topic. Still, legally, you can't kill a person for hitting on you. That's crazy. Oh, I don't. I that's completely agree. Fucking bananas. Do you I know why that's bananas? Agree. Because we don't get that defense. <laughs> no. Women get hit on all the time by creepy ass men that we don't yep. like, and we do not get to shoot them, even if the advancements are unwanted or a little aggressive or a little over the top. We don't get to shoot them. It's not allowed. No. That's crazy. Not. Absolutely not. And he shouldn't have done it. Yeah. So that caught me off guard when I read that. I was like, gay panic defense. What the fuck is that? Yeah. And then right. I read it and I was like, this is not, this can't be real. And it's still legal in some states, which is, of course it totally is. bananas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's obviously not that crazy because this entire trial was a circus. Like his mental health is obviously an issue because who in their right mind does this? But also his lawyers basically put John's family, who are like totally homophobic and bigots and all that kind of stuff and the jenny jones show on trial instead of john right so it was kind of like like really a circus this whole trial was really a circus definitely yeah and they showed that he grew up in an unhealthy environment and his parents were super homophobic and pretty harsh about it and they tried to make it seem like the jenny jones show was responsible for what he did after they left the show like, they knew that putting him on the show with a same-sex crush would somehow, like, lead to this. And the Jenny Jones show is like, we didn't fucking know him. How would we know that? But right, yeah. That's besides the point. The prosecution painted a pretty clear picture of premeditation. Like, he decided to kill Scott. Yeah. He drove to the bank. He drove to the gun store. He drove to Scott's house. He sat in his car. He, he went thought back about to it. his car to get <laughs> yeah. the gun. Like... Yeah, it's like it's hard to say he to the moment when there was like 4,987 moments to think about it. Or, yeah, when he sat but, in his car to think about it. Yeah, that yeah. that does it, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you went for it then. Yeah, you kind of you lose the heat of the moment argument when you when you totally. when you drive to six different errands before you go there, knowing you're like the errands all lead to doing that. That leads to pre like you can't say heat of the moment. You didn't just pick something up and kill him. Yeah, you know. exactly. Like, this was days after. It was thought out. It was planned. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So after the buffoonery that was this trial, like, John even reads a poem out loud that he wrote. It was, the whole thing was ridiculous. But John is found guilty, and he's sentenced to 50 years. But a few years later on appeal, he was retried and found guilty of second-degree murder. I know. And I don't understand how 
because his mental health, I'm pretty sure it's because the jury finds it really hard to believe that he was in his right mind when he did it. That he wasn't all together with it to plan this. That he was literally, like, everybody blames the show. They blame his parents. Like, they want to, like, spread the blame for some reason instead of just putting it on the guy who killed Scott. Yeah. yeah. Everybody it, wants to, like, pass it around. I don't know. But he ended up getting found guilty of second-degree murder, and he was resentenced to 25 to 50 years, which is significantly less. Yeah. <laughs> like, half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So then in 99, he was retried again on appeal, but he was found guilty again, but he was resentenced to the same 25 to 50 years. So Scott's family was super devastated after the trials and after this way too light of a sentence for his killer. And they went after the Jenny Jones show hard in a civil case. And they actually won the first civil case for $25 million. But it was appealed later and overturned because the courts decided that the Jenny Jones show producers could never have guessed based on his reactions that he was going to leave and do that. Yeah. Like there was no way for them to know. They're not mental health professionals. They don't know him. Right. You know, so the courts decided that the show's not responsible you know and this bothers a lot of people because a lot of people feel like they were pretty negligent about this i feel like they have a part to play for sure yeah a lot of people feel like if he was never on that show or if they were never on that show that scott would still be alive which is probably true that is kind of how i feel about that yeah i mean they lied to him to get him on the show yeah i i and i get that but i still am not sure that the producers or jenny herself had any way of knowing that he was that mentally unstable. Like, they did that with hundreds of other guests for years. I mean, all these talk shows were on for 10, 20. I mean, Maury's still on. And <laughs> yeah. this is the only guy that left and murdered somebody else. I completely you know agree. I mean? No, I completely agree with that. And I think he is definitely responsible for his own actions. But yeah. he also asked, hey, I don't want to be on this show. Maybe he asked that because he knew that would be a trigger for him if it was a guy and he'd kind of go into a manic episode. We don't know. Right, but they didn't tell him that it wasn't a guy. They told him but, it could be a guy or a girl, and then they kind of just did the winky thing. But Yeah, he, he said, says that now because that's his defense. Well, I mean, I think that's probably accurate. Given with his background and how he grew up, You know, and I get it. It wouldn't have made for good TV. 100%. But he said, I don't want to do this. And they still said, well, you never know. And he went for it. Yeah. So he's, he chose to do it. He did. Like, I just, I don't see how that could possibly be their fault. If someone says, hey, like, yeah, I'm down to do this, but I don't want to be a part of this. You have to kind of give in and say, okay. I understand what you're saying. Because you're saying it like he said, I am not going to go on this show if it's a man. And that's not how the Jenny Jones show said that they never even had that conversation. They say that they told him it could be a man or a woman and that's it. He's the only one saying that he told them that if it was a man, he really didn't want to do it. But if he ever said like, hey, if this is a guy, like, I really don't want to do this. Like, even in a very calm, like, hey, guys, you know, like, this is a guy, like, I really don't want any part of this. Well, it could be a guy or a girl, you know, like, that's their job, though. It is their job to sell it to him and make him show up yeah. I get, I and that's, get that. that's all I'm saying that's all I'm saying is that it's like I feel like he is 100% responsible for murdering Scott me too but for some reason because he can't be held 100% responsible because of his mental health everybody feels like they have to blame somebody else for the rest of it I still think it is mostly on him or is on him for sure he made that decision he did that 
that's his action. Yes. But yeah, I also think that had he, if he did say, Hey, I don't want to be a part of this. Like if it's a guy and they said, okay. And they laid off and left him alone. This dude's probably still alive. Yeah. I think Scott would be alive if they weren't on the show, but I still don't think that's Jenny Jones's fault. They wrote into the show and asked to be, she didn't go seek them out and was like, hey, come on the show and let me ruin your lives. <laughs> and hopefully one of you murders the other one. Like, they called her. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I think that's the thing with this case is it's kind of a big circle of it's a little bit of everybody's fault for, but not for why he's dead, you know, but like. He was really embarrassed. Why was he embarrassed? Because the producers lied to him. How did the producers get it? Because, you know, Scott made the phone call. So, like, it's a whole circle of everyone kind of doing something they probably shouldn't have done. Yeah. I mean. Scott probably shouldn't have taken John onto public or national TV and put him on the spot yeah, well, like obviously. that. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. You know. But it's not Scott's fault. But people want to blame Jenny Jones. That's what I'm saying is it's not Scott's fault and it's not Jenny Jones's fault. This John guy was the one who murdered him. It's not Scott's fault for calling the show and it's not Jenny Jones for putting on a trashy TV show. It's John's fault. It is John's fault for killing him. I do agree with that. Yes. Yeah. It's weird to me how everybody's like, oh, because they were on a TV show three days before he killed him. All of a sudden it's the TV show's fault. It's like, how the fuck was she supposed to know? I don't think it's their fault that Scott's dead. It's John's fault that Scott's dead. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, I mean, the courts decided they had no liability, right. which is why they never had to pay it out. But it's totally, like I said, it's totally understandable why the family and most of the public want somebody else to blame because the guy who did it didn't get enough time. Sure. Like his punishment was not enough. So if I was Scott's family, I'd be going after everybody too. It's like, no, that's bullshit. It is bullshit. I agree with that. Yeah, because John only served 22 years and was released on parole in 2017. I know. He's out and about. Yeah, he's been out for five years. Crazy. Have we heard anything about him, though? Like, has he gotten in any kind of trouble? Has he steered clear for the most part? Yeah, not much is really known about him, except that he was last known to live with his parents in Lapeer, Michigan. But other than that, there's not really a whole lot known. So I don't think he's been rearrested. Probably not where he should have gone back to, but also probably had no other options. Yeah. So weird case. And it is sad. And if they didn't go on the Jenny Jones show, Scott probably would still be alive. Yeah, I think so. Well, I guess that's why there's no good TV anymore. Because <laughs> everybody had to go around killing each other. And so we had to cancel all the good shows. Well, I don't think there's any other incidences of this happening. I think this was a one and done kind of a thing. But maybe they did a little bit more uh, background into people before they bring them on. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I know Dr. Phil runs mental health assessments on all of his Well, guests, maybe that's but why. That's because they're usually there for mental health. <laughs> maybe that's why then. Yeah. His, he's not doing paternity tests and shit like that. He's doing like, my eight-year-old's trying to kill my whole family. What do I do? And it's like, ah, send him to the ranch. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? It's He's usually dealing with mental health stuff, but Absolutely. I don't know. I doubt Maury Povich does a mental health screening on all of his people. In fact, I can almost probably guarantee not. you he doesn't. I've watched that show. <laughs> well, most of them are probably actors and actresses, so you're probably right. No way. Not on Maury. On Jerry Springer, yeah. You think Maury's got, Maury. you think Maury's all legit? Totally. I think it's exaggerated as hell, but I think they're real people could be you know what the one thing that always trips me out about daytime talk shows and like all the paternity results and stuff like that 
is how bad at math men and women are. Because they don't realize like how many months have passed or something? Like Mori will be like, how many men can be? And she'll be like, it could only be these three. There's only, and then he's like, not the father, not the father, not the father. It's like, and she's like, oh, well maybe it's these three. And it's like, okay, why didn't you say six from the beginning then? Well, three already doesn't look wonderful, so. Yeah, I know, but the, but then she's like, well, I didn't know it could have been September, too. It's like, do you not know how to, babies work? You've had seven of them. The American education system is absolutely terrible. So, no, I'm guessing they don't know how the numbers and stuff work. Oh, I know. Just like some of the men, they come on and they're like, well, that can't be my baby. And Maury's <laughs> like, why not? Did you sleep with this woman? He's like, yeah, but not in like a year. And the baby's like... <laughs> four months old and it's like okay well so that makes sense great thank you for that okay <laughs> yeah or they'll be like that's not my baby that can't be my baby my babies aren't girls i only have boys <laughs> it's like seems solid your logic there buddy like, <laughs> what are you talking about it's a good thing we got jobs Wait. and we don't have to sit home and watch this shit all day oh i love it i have no doubt about I that i love it I saw one episode where the guy's like, that can't be my baby. That baby cries too much. Hmm. And Maury's like, what are you talking? Like, cries like a like a baby? Like a baby cries. or what? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I don't have crybaby babies. It was like. Whoa. All right. Good point. <laughs> we Sorry, we didn't <laughs> think about that. Shit. I was like, what? Why did you guys bring this guy on? He doesn't have crybaby babies. Yeah. We, we need a different one. Or the one guy that was like. That was like, that can't be my baby. That baby's got six fingers on one hand. God. That's not genetic. That's a birth defect. <laughs> it's not genetic. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Well, this case sucked, but I do like trashy 90s TV, and so it makes me want to go watch YouTube for a while. Put on your red glasses, Sally Jesse Raphael. It's time to find out if you're the father. I'm watching Steve Wilkos. Come on. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I forgot. All right. Well, we should wrap this up. Go to our Instagram or our TikTok at From Crime to Crime, our Twitter at From Crime to the number crime, or Erica's personal Twitter. What is it? Crime underscore from? Oh, I, I forgot about it. No. I haven't been back on. Oh, uh, well, just go to our Twitter. Dang, I got to go on and see if I got followers. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I'm sure I haven't. <laughs> That's probably true. I wonder if the governor so. from Cal or from Colorado followed you. I don't know, but it's time for me to send him some more twits. <laughs> All right, you twit. Get out of here. All right. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.